another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the word cannot the world cannot accept him because it neither neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you i will not leave leave you as orphans i will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because i live you also will live on that day you will realize that i am in my father and you are in me and i am in you whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me the one who loves me will be loved by my father and i too will love them and show myself to them then judas not judas iscariot said but lord why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world jesus replied anyone who loves me will obey my teaching my father will love them and will come to them and make a home with them anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching these words you hear are not my own they belong to the father who sent me all this i have spoken while i still still with you but the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i have said to you peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid you heard me say i am going away and i am coming back to you if you loved me you would be glad that i am going to the father for the father is greater than i i have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen you will believe i will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming he has no hold over me but he comes so that the world may learn that i love the father and do exactly what my father has commanded me come now let us leave do you love the lord jesus how would jesus know that you loved him well you say jesus is god and he knows all things and he knows that i love him and secondly he knows that i love him because when i pray to him i tell him that i love him but do you ever demonstrate that you love him how could i do that well jesus tells us in john 14 verse 15 if you love me keep my commands but i find it so hard to keep the commandments especially when i think of the way that the lord jesus christ summarizes them jesus says i am to love the lord my god with all my heart mind and strength and love my neighbor as i love myself a list of do's and don'ts is one thing but jesus seems to be going behind the list of do's and don'ts and that seems to raise the keeping of the commandments to a whole new level that those first four commandments are summed up in loving the lord your god with all your heart mind and strength and the remainder are connected to loving my neighbor as i love myself what must my love seem like when i disobey and break the commandments so often fellowship and communion with god 
is a relationship of love. Not only God's love for us, but our love for God. And our love for God is not just a sentiment or an emotion. It is always moral. Up until now in this gospel, the love of God for his people has been the most dominant aspect of love. But now our love for God becomes the explicit aspect of love. The person who loves God will keep his commandments. And the obedience that God requires of us goes beyond human achievement. That is the reason that the Lord Jesus Christ promises us divine assistance. Jesus knew that it would be very hard, very difficult for us. So in verse 16, Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Jesus promises to send us another paraclete, another advocate, Now, that word paraclete is very difficult to get an exact English translation. So, we have to actually pick on several words in order to capture the full meaning. Words like comforter, counselor, helper, or as we have it in the NIV here, advocate. Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit. He says, I will send you Another paraclete. Now there were two words available to Jesus that he could have used when he says another. One word would mean another but of a different kind. But Jesus uses the word for another to mean another of the same kind. Another paraclete. Another comforter. Another counselor another helper, just like me, I will send him. The Holy Spirit is so like the Lord Jesus Christ that he is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. And Jesus was comforting his disciples by assuring them that they did not need to be troubled at his leaving because the helper, the advocate, or the counselor that he would send would be just like him. There would be no loss in the exchange because Jesus would be with them always. Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 9, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, They do not belong to Christ. At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus has encouraged us by saying to us, do not let your heart be troubled because he is going away and he is preparing a place for us. So in heaven, there is a person waiting for us And there is a place waiting for us. 
And now Jesus is saying in verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me and obeys my teaching, my Father will love them, and listen, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So the Lord Jesus Christ is saying at the beginning of the chapter, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place. I go to prepare a home for you. And if your heart begins to sink, and uh, I, I remember as a child, Christmas always seemed so far away. Now it just seems to come wham, 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 one after the other. But back then it just seemed such a distant thing. And when Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, I go to prepare a place, a home for you. And you begin to think, how many years is that away before I get there? And then Jesus now encourages his people and he says, no, you don't have to wait. Because the triune God is coming to make our home in your heart, he will indwell you by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was leaving to prepare a place or a home for us. But look at what happens right now. If we obey Jesus' commandments, God the Father will love us, and we, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will come to Christians and make a home with us. We are never alone. God will be resident in our hearts, and the Holy Spirit will come to us and make a home with us. Our bodies, as Paul says, are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have it all now. We don't want an over-realized view of things. While we do not have it all now, yet we do have an incredible lot where the Holy Spirit promises to come, where Jesus is promising to send another paraclete, another comforter, another counselor, another advocate, one just like himself. And God has made a home in our hearts and we are already at home with the Lord in a great sense. I know we have a habit of saying, and it's a good habit, when we speak of someone passing away, someone dying, if they are a believer, we say they've gone home to be with the Lord. It's a good saying. But we're already, in this sense, at home with the Lord right now because he has come to us and made a home within us. Jesus goes to prepare a dwelling place in heaven, but God makes a dwelling place right now in our hearts within us. We are not alone. One of the most encouraging facts of Christianity is that the Comforter not only comes alongside us, but comes inside us to dwell with us. One of the most devastating thoughts that anyone can entertain when they're going through trouble is this, I am alone. After that comes feelings of self-pity and then the thought, and no one cares. These are common enough feelings, 
but really they are unnecessary feelings for the Christian because the Christian is never alone. It is a lie to say that I am alone because God has sent, Jesus has sent another paraclete, another comforter, another counselor. The Holy Spirit is resident within us and he is referred to as the Spirit of Truth. In verse 17, the Spirit of Truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Spirit of Truth indwelling us allows us to begin to understand ourselves and to grasp the path of redemption that God has placed us on, to grasp that path of redemption that God has made us a part of. The world is totally unable to understand the mysteries of God's purposes. The indwelling spirit of truth brings to the Christian comprehension and from that comprehension and understanding comes comfort. As we read the Word of God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, leads us into all truth in order that we might make that truth our own. The Spirit of truth brings home to us the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the standard for what is real in this world and what is true about God. The Spirit of Truth serves as the instrument of God and gives us the whole gives the whole creation its meaning and its, and its existence. Truth finds its source in God because God is the God of truth. In Jeremiah it says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. When He is angry, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure His wrath. That truth is expressed through the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ Himself said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Truth is something to be received. It is something to be obeyed by us. And the spirit of truth comes and takes up residence in our hearts to help us to understand the truth and to help us obey the truth and keep Jesus' commandments because that's what we want to do. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. God has come and he has written his law upon our hearts. He has caused us to want to do things his way. The truth is not just something for us just to hold, like in the way it might be stated in a confession of faith or a catechism, or hold it in a sense that we see ourselves as a sound church holding on to sound doctrine, it's very easy for us to look upon the decadence and the immorality of certain churches and feel that we are okay, that we don't hold the views that they hold. 
The truth should be held, but it should be in us, and it should set us free, and we should obey that truth. Is the sovereignty of God, the Trinitarian God, the deity of Christ, the providence of God, are those just just doctrines that we say yes to, or do those doctrines make a difference to us in the way that we live our lives? It should, because that is truth. And the spirit of truth has taken up residence in our hearts. The possession of truth by the spirit of truth is not something that the world is able to receive. The reason is that the spirit is alien to the world, for it does not see him or know him. The reality and truth of God is mediated and experienced by the spirit of truth in such a way that the Christian knows it and sees it. I get it. Our daughter, when she was about five or six, and maybe even earlier than that, trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You could see her very childlike understanding, but she knew that Jesus was in her heart and that he had forgiven her for her sins. What makes it possible for such a young child to understand such a concept just the very same way as a 60-year-old might understand it. Only when the Spirit of God opens up our eyes can we see it and know it. We, We could have, before we were Christians, I could have told people the gospel I've told you on a number of occasions that on the night I became a Christian that the, my, my good friend who, who was a Christian and witnessing to me couldn't find the verses and I asked him what he was looking for and I, I knew my Bible better than he did. But he had something that I didn't have. The Spirit of God was resident in his heart and he could see and know Jesus in a way that I did not see or know him at that moment, until born of the Spirit of God, I opened up my eyes and I could see and I could know that when Christ died on the cross, he died for my sins. He took them away. He had forgiven them. And that truth set us free. Jesus promises in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We are not children without a father. Jesus is coming to us to be with us. We are not alone. Now when Jesus says, I will come to you, what coming of Jesus is this speaking about? Or what coming is Jesus speaking about? Is it his second coming? Is it coming to meet with the disciples after resurrection? Or does it mean the coming of the Holy Spirit after Christ's ascension? 
I think the context of chapter 14 and the teaching given here about the Holy Spirit would strongly suggest to us that when Jesus said, I am, I am, com- I am coming to you, that he means that Christ is coming by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ will richly dwell in us through his word and by the Spirit. In verse 19, Jesus says, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Now, at the time that Jesus was speaking this, the world could still physically see the Lord Jesus Christ. But soon the Lord would ascend up into heaven and the world would no longer be able to see him. But the Christian will see him because Christ lives, we will also live. Soon or before long, the eschatological life of Christ will be dwelling in his disciples. Now, eschatology is just a a, a name that is used for the consideration of future things. But when Christ takes up residence of us, something of eternity, something of the future, will be resident within us. The Christian will experience that eschatological life because Christ will be raised from the dead and we will enjoy that taste of the future dwelling in us because Christ lives the resurrection life. So we are already living that resurrection life in Christ. The resurrection of Christ does not merely guarantee that death is defeated, but it also means that life is new and it is assured. In verse 20, Jesus says on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. This new resurrection life is rooted in the Trinitarian life of God. On that day, you will know. That is, on that resurrection day, you will know. Now, we have explored this type of knowing already. It means to realize, to understand, to get it, to perceive, to be able to grasp it, to lay hold of it. And we can lay hold of it. Not because we've done some degree somewhere, but because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in our hearts. In verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Fellowship with God is a relationship of love that is expressed by us through our obedience to God. And Christ, he says, will come to those who love him and keep his commandments and will show himself to us as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal Christ to us through the word of God. Then it says, then Judas, and John is careful to point out, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Poor Judas. He's not much further on than Philip. 
in the question that he's asking. Judas, but not Judas Iscariot, asks, why the Lord intends to show himself to the disciples, but not to the world? You see, perhaps Judas has not got past the question that Philip asked earlier. If we can see you then, why can the world not see you? If you come walking into our church and there are Christians and non-Christians there, are you telling us that the Christians will see you and that the world won't see you? Do you think Philip might still be stuck with the view that Jesus is a political Messiah? And therefore, if he's going to rule the world, the world is going to have to see him in order for him to conquer the world. But you see, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking on a different level. And the disciples are having to catch up pretty fast because the hour has come and Jesus will be leaving them. Jesus replied in verse 23, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. God will reveal himself to those who love him, to those who keep his commandments and will take up residence in the hearts of those that love him. This is an incredible thing. Think of what God has invested in making you a Christian. Sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross. When Christ was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, sending the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, taking up residence in our hearts in order to unfold to us more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not mine. They belong to the Father who sent me. Here is the difference between the world and the disciples. Those who do not love Jesus will not keep his commandments. And Jesus and the Father are on one mind on this. All this, Jesus said in verse 25, I have spoken while still with you. The word of God has been spoken to them while Jesus was still physically present with them. They see Jesus in a physical sense. But then, verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Lord Jesus Christ has been pouring out a lot of information. Information that was so difficult for the disciples to grasp. He says, I am telling you these things now while you can still see me. But then when I send the other paraclete, the other comforter, the other teacher, the other instructor, the other counselor, then you will see me and know me. Not like the way the world saw me, but you will see me because the spirit of truth will be in your hearts. 
When the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, He will teach you all things. And you will remember that I, what I have said to you. And you will see it. You will understand it. You will have it clearly in your hearts. The departure of Jesus from this world is not a departure of God from the world. Because the Holy Spirit, another, like Jesus, will come. And the Holy Spirit will be our teacher and will lead us into all truth. Now, I have a friend in Northern Ireland. He is a minister. He went through a period of soul-searching and he decided that he would get rid of his library. And he said, the only thing I'm going to ever use is my Bible because the Spirit of God is my teacher. I don't agree with him. Because, you see, the Spirit of God spoke to those people who wrote those books and I can read what the Spirit of God has taught them. Those people in the past were giants, spiritual giants. And we can stand on the shoulders of giants and see further. It's a blessed thing that we have this heritage of literature that we can turn to where they have recorded what the Holy Spirit has revealed to them through the Word. Don't give up on your reading. Don't give up on getting help from others that God has helped. At the beginning of this chapter, the Lord was aware that the disciples were experiencing a great deal of anxiety and distress with what had been unfolding before them. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 27, he says this, Peace. I leave with you, listen, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. To actually think that we possess the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. The work of God that is fully and finally expressed by the Spirit allows Jesus to offer his disciples this kind of peace. This is not just a feeling of mere human tranquility. The peace that Jesus speaks of here is the peace of God through Christ and in the Spirit. Even though this world is full of strife and persecution and lies and spitefulness, we can still know the peace of God in our hearts. Because peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It does not get any better than that in this life. There would be plenty of times when the world would try and rob us of that peace. But this is Christ's peace that he gives. And we are reminded of that peace through the spirit of truth that is resident within our hearts. You see, when I get discouraged, when I become downhearted, it's because I'm starting to believe lies. And then the spirit of truth shows me truth of how abundantly God has blessed us in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a peace that the world cannot give us 
because it doesn't have this kind of peace. We have this peace through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that one part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit for us to practice is peace. This peace was not not marked by a period of outward peace. At this very moment in time, there was great hostility towards Christ. And from within the very ranks of his disciples, there would be betrayal and denial. And Christ stood on the verge of a violent crucifixion. But he can still speak of my peace. My peace I give you. The troubles without had led to troubles within and into this crucible of difficulty Christ brings his peace and gives us his peace. You know, in times of outward peace, anyone can have peace. But in times of trial and testing, only those who love the Lord and keep his commandments experience the kind of peace that Jesus is speaking about here. Generally, for most people, peace tends to be a negative thing. Peace occurs when an agreement has been made to to end the war or to bring an end to fear. But the peace that Jesus gives is a positive blessing, a right relationship with God from which all other blessings flow. In verse 28, Jesus comes back again to what he's been saying. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. You see, the disciples are still downhearted that Jesus is going to the Father. But Jesus said, you should be glad. Because when I go to the Father, we will send the Holy Spirit And then you will know and see me and love me like you have never seen me before. Like you have never loved me before. The whole plan of redemption. The triune God making a home within us all depends upon Christ going back to the Father by way of the cross. Jesus says that the Father is greater than him. Now, what does that mean? Now, let me say what it doesn't mean, first of all. It does not mean that Jesus is saying here that the Father is a greater person of the Godhead than Jesus is. We, we could go to many, many passages to show the equality of the persons of the Godhead. What it means is that while Jesus is here upon earth, he is the incarnate Son of God. Jesus stooped down to become flesh. Paul expresses the same idea in Philippians chapter 2, where he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself 
becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself lower. He stooped down into flesh. And he became a man. Because he goes back to the Father by way of the cross, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, at the time of saying this, the Father remained in the sphere of glory where the Father is undiminished in His glory, which is greater than the incarnate state that Jesus has taken. The disciples should be glad that He's going back to the Father because God will exalt Jesus to the highest place and give Him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In verse 29, he says, I have told you now before it happens. So that when it does happen, you will what? You will believe. Isn't that why the gospel of John was written? so that we might believe? What's the Spirit of God doing in our hearts tonight? Helping us to believe. Encouraging believers to believe. To grasp this truth by the Spirit of truth. To see what it means for us to be in Christ. Jesus has told them this because He wants them to believe. And then finally in verse 30, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. There is very little time left now. The prince of the world, the devil, comes to do his worst. But the devil comes to this moment with no hold or claim over the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil cannot accuse Jesus of wrongdoing. The devil is coming, rushing in, headlong towards what he considers is going to be his greatest victory. But it will be his greatest defeat. Because the devil will be overthrown and defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. He will crush his head, and he, the devil, will bruise his heel. The victory comes at a cost because the Lord Jesus Christ will experience something he had never experienced before. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The devil comes to do his worst, but through the cross, the world will know that Jesus loves the Father. Verse 31 but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now. Let us leave. Then Jesus beckons the disciples to come with him. 
and they leave behind the upper room. Those words seem heavily loaded to me. Come now and let us leave. Come now, I leave for the cross and to do exactly what my Father has commanded me to do. I trust that God will enable us by the Spirit of truth to be encouraged that Jesus has given his peace to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the peace that Christ gives us. Father, it is a great blessing to know such peace within our hearts. Help us, our God, to realize just how good things are for us in Christ and to praise and to thank you and to have gratitude in our hearts for what you have done. Help us, we pray, for Christ the Savior's sake. Amen. Amen.